Welcome to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast. The podcast that covers all things about humans, technology, technology. and particularly the bit in between. And welcome to this episode of 1202, the Human Factors Podcast with me, your host, Barry Kirby. Hopefully everyone is getting used to the new decor with the sounds and the website and the shiny social media. And a huge thank you to everyone who's emailed and messaged me complimentary messages and yeah, also to those of you who's highlighted some of my spelling mistakes as well. We all know what Barry's like for spelling. So anything you find like that, uh, please do let me know. It makes me produce better quality. Um, the website will be an evolving beast, so do keep on getting back in touch with if there's any extra sections you want to see. I've had somebody feedback and ask that they would like to know how I set up and deliver the uh, the podcast, so I'll be able to put some details on there about the equipment that I use and the software that I use and the the vague sort of process that I um, that I pull together. And so, if that's of interest, there'll be a page on there going on soon. I've been back on Human Factors Cast with Nick Roman Friends, and they've been coming on with some really interesting news articles as well as sections from the internet and us offering our, our advice for what it's worth. As ever, it's been recorded live, so between midnight and 2am on a Friday morning for UK time, then do drop in on the chat, on the live streams, because the way that they've got it set up, there is any of the sort of comments come through to the, uh, come through to the stream, and we can basically interact with you. Um, so feel free to keep on doing that. Anyway, back to this episode. Uh, the guest for today is very much on a wavelength with what I'm thinking uh, of I'm playing with in the whole climate ergonomics and human-centered activities because the the human-centered activities be that um, human factors and ergonomics engineering or design are at the core what of what we're trying to deal with on pressing issues of today today's guest is the founder and CEO of the Peterman design firm a product design firm based in the LA in the U- United States his focus is on developing better ways to create products that benefit people and the planet he launched the Peterman Design Method of Design, uh, sorry, the Peterman Method of Design in 2020, and is here today to talk about his book, Conscious Design, which has just launched. Welcome to the podcast, Ian Peterman. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you very much for coming along. Um, I recognise that it's it's uh, sort of mid morning for you, where it's uh, late evening for uh, for me, and I'm still getting used to uh, interviewing people on on different time zones, and um, yeah, it's it's quite good fun. But in let's talk more about you. Um, your current role, your CEO of, of your own company, a Peterman Design Firm. What is it you do on a day-to-day basis? Uh, my day-to-day is a lot of meetings and calls and talking with clients and project managing. Uh, it's I have a team, so I, I do all the management and businessy things okay. of, of a design firm these days. So what is the so what is what sort of things do you design? Because you you are as you say you're a design firm. What what sort of thing? What what's your typical client? Do you have a typical client? We don't have a typical client. So I've I've kind of intentionally worked across the board. I I actually personally I started in uh, designing lasers and then I moved to printers and then speakers and as a design firm and and over our career we've we've done everything from baby products to industrial equipment, uh, works on a refueling truck, uh, smart products right now, uh, IOT products are a booming area. So we have three, three clients that are in the IOT space right now and more, more talking to us. So we're kind of all over the board in terms of design uh, industry. We were in industry agnostic, as I like to say. Well, that's really so. Yeah, so you've got you've got a really broad range of interest then, and a broad range of activity. Yes, 
yeah, yeah, we're 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 broad in many ways. <laughs> that sounds like a bit of a leading comment. Um, <laughs> so, how did you get into the whole product design thing? What 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 led you down this route? Uh, this has been something uh, since I was a kid. I wanted to do so. This is this has been um, really kind of just my life. I don't have anything else that I want to be doing. This is. I started as a kid. I went to college for it. Uh, I got an internship when I was 16 in design. Uh, it's really just been my entire life. And it's really just from a desire to make really cool products. Um, you know, as I, when I was a kid, I was drawing cool products. I wasn't really thinking about how to make them. Um, pretty right. sure none of them were actually makeable. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best sort. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, probably could have worked on like a James Bond movie or something for some of their gadgets. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, it's just been a lifelong uh, mission for me. Okay. Was there a, a particular moment or a particular um, event that uh, made you click into that way? Or is it just something that you've just almost from birth, it's just been there? Was, was there something that, that was a bit of inspiration? I, I can't put a finger on an actual inspiration point. It's been literally some of my youngest memories are I was drawing like trucks and I was designing cars and then it was, then it was submarines and then it was spaceships. And I watched far too much star Trek <laughs> and star Wars. And that just led to more and more design, uh, of, of things that I could think of. Um, there's a, a lot of space, uh, design. I've, I've designed spaceships for fun for decades at this point. Cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's really kind of, I don't remember not having right. this desire to develop products. Cool. So you're now CEO, CEO of Peterman Design. Um, what's been your career path to get here? If you've, you've always had that interest, you did your um, you know, your initial training. What's been the, uh, the stops along the way? Yeah, so I started in, interning at a company designing lasers. So I worked there for a few years and then I took on a few different contracts. I worked in custom cabling for a while. I worked at HP. I was a designer for, for a time as well. Uh, I worked for a company called Barefoot Sound Studio Monitor for recording studios. Mm -hmm. uh, and so worked in the music and sound industry. And then I ended up uh, starting a design firm with a few partners. We That's where I got ex exposed to a lot of the other parts of products, you know, outside of engineering, the branding and marketing and, and everything else you do to make a product actually happen. And so I got a lot of experience from that. I learned quite a bit of, uh, different, those different areas. Uh, we did that for about three years and then took a little hiatus. Um, I did, worked for a company that made a Roner mechanical. They design, uh, the big ovens. If you want to paint and bake an entire Boeing, a 747 wing at once they're the people who build the oven fair enough <laughs> so i did that for a little while and then i started i started this company uh just because i wanted to get back into working on more than more than just one kind of product at a yeah. time and that's been kind of been a theme uh my entire life i'm not really uh sit at hp for 30 <laughs> years designing the same printers over and over again uh, i like i like dabbling in different areas Cool. Um, 
we've had the obviously the COVID nineteen um, pandemic, and there's been various bits of lockdown and and all these sort of uh, these sort of things. How have you found working during the pandemic? Has it been good for business, bad for business? Have you have you learned anything about yourself on the way? Yeah, so we were. Uh, it was kind of interesting before the pandemic. Um, people that worked remotely was still a little bit of a weird thing. Uh, I still had to spend quite a bit of time convincing people I could actually do work without <laughs> seeing them in person. Yeah. Um, and but, so we were fully remote, which was good. But the bad part is we lost about 80% of our clients in the first right. three months of the pandemic because we worked primarily with startups and smaller businesses. And so that was that was a pretty harsh hit. Um, and then it took about a year and then it started picking back up. And now, now I, it, there's more work than ever before. So we're already doing better than before pandemic at this point. So wow. I'd say cool. we've, we've made a, a drastic recovery um, and very solid for growing. We've doubled our, our team in the last six months. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been a journey and it's, it's been definitely an interesting process of talking with people and seeing, seeing how many different viewpoints there are on things and, yeah. and the business world, how, how many different ways there have been to react to something like this. Um, and the biggest impact that people still are, are, feeling in the in the product world is the supply chain is right been decimated and so it's something that we've had to learn along with our clients even um is how to manage because it's something that people that have 40 50 years experience in supply chain have never seen before this is not this is uncharted territory for even the veterans so it's it's kind of an interesting place to be in figuring out how do you make a product? Because there's so many people wanting to launch new products still. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Right? So we're just adding to it. Um, so that's been that's actually been a topic uh every week. Every week since since this started. Uh, how to how to make the supply chain work. So you found yourself having to become experts in more than you more than you were before in many ways. Oh, definitely. There's I I knew supply chain pretty well because I've built those for companies before, but not not in a situation like this. But I guess it just shows that there is, um, in all of these things, yes, COVID-19 has been decimating for quite a lot of people, but there's also an awful lot of opportunity if you open yourself up to it. There is. There's a lot of uh, opportunity. There's a lot of new challenges that different industries are facing in different ways and that it's as, as bad as COVID-19 has been, it also has created a lot of opportunity to solve problems. And I think that's that's something that not everyone can or has been able to look at in a positive way. But when you do and you take that step back, it's it's amazing the amount, amount of problems we have to fix uh, and they need to be fixed. So it's, it's something that we can then, we've been, okay, well, how do we work on supply chain better and, and different areas like that that need more work and more expertise put into yeah. it. So before we get in and talk about the book, um, I was stalking your <clears throat> your LinkedIn profile and it, it turns out you're a competition fiddler. Um, yes. How, what, what, I mean, basically what, what is competition fiddling and how did you get into it and how serious is it? 
Um, it gets pretty serious. Uh, there's in the U.S. they go up to nationals. So you have uh, local, regional, and then national competitions. I was a, a Scottish fiddler, so I I played at Highland Games and comp competitions like that. Uh, and it was I started playing when I was eight, and I started competing when I was I think about twelve. And when I was about 15, I, I started winning regionals. Cool. Uh, and so that's, yeah, it was, it was dedication. There was a lot of time put into <laughs> hours and hours every week to get to that level. And is this still something you keep up with now? Or is it now just in a hobby I, or do you just look on, look back on it fondly? It's kind of a hobby. <laughs> it's kind of a hobby, uh, but I'm, I'm a pretty competitive person. So when I say hobby, it means that <laughs> I occasionally get it out and then I practice heavily for a while and then i realized that i need to do something else um, <laughs> but yeah it's i get it out every now and then it's i don't compete anymore right okay but uh i well i can honestly say you're the first competition fiddler we've had on this podcast so no that that's really insightful um right we're, we're going to come back and talk about your new book straight after this break you are listening to 1202 the human factors podcast we wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you for your support. You can help further by rating us through your podcast provider, sharing us through social media, and telling your friends and colleagues. Let's work together in raising awareness of the value in putting users at the center of what we do. So... You've just managed to um, launch a book, which is no uh, no mean feat in itself. Um, it's called Conscious Design. What is Conscious Design? Conscious Design is, if you imagine taking human-centered design and sustainability and social, social consciousness, mm -hmm. so being aware of the social impact and putting it all into one thing and, and really looking at it's really just taking a step farther back on especially tangible products because they make the most impact to us, our environment, the planet, our social experience even. And so the whole point of, the, of conscious design is to take an extra step back and say, what are all the impact points? How does that, this product that we're trying to create impact us environmentally how does it impact us socially how does it impact us financially how does it how does it really impact you know and, and the supply chain not just you it's it's from the time raw material is gotten somewhere you know it's typically mined or it's planted and grown and harvested you know it comes from somewhere and there's a lot of people that touch that product in some way and people don't don't think about that uh, even even today as much as, as I think people should. And you know, there's a great example. I think it's uh, the Ticonderoga pencil people okay. think of it, right? It's a four pieces. It's an eraser, a metal band, a wood and, and the actual lead. And it comes from like four different countries and it passes through like 10 or something just to get to you. And it's like a hundred people <laughs> are wow. involved yeah. yes. to make one pencil. And so, that's something that we kind of, and being in the design world, we brush kind of brush aside or like, oh, well, well, don't worry about that. It's too much to think about. And in today's world, I don't think that we can just 
ignored. And so that's conscious design is trying to pull all of those elements together and say, hey, let's let's actually think about what we're doing here, start to finish, the cradle to cradle or cradle to grave, whichever yeah. one, but let's think about those things. Let's make some decisions early on and make it <laughs> make it happen in a way that we want to and and realizing that it should be a conscious decision okay. when you go to design something, not just, don't just let it happen. It's going to happen no matter what, but be conscious about it. So is there not a potential risk there of you get, um, because it'd be quite easy to almost take any product, I guess, and, you know, go back through that um, supply chain element and and almost become paralysed by fear of doing something wrong. How do we step people through because you don't want that paralysis. Um, but you, like you say, you want to be thoughtful about um, the impact that you're having and, and what you're doing. How do we make sure that people can actually progress with developing and design and developing what they're doing and not just either throw everything away because it's too difficult or just ignore it completely? Well, I think I think the key is actually word use, progress. Uh, it's not... There's, there's an expectation because we live in an instant world, right? I, I expect my to instantly be able to message people, instantly be able to buy things. Amazon can get stuff to you in a day or two, right? We live in this, this very moment-based reality. And, and so the way to work through that is that it is a process. You're not going to launch a product. Even, even today, if it, I would say even if you had an unlimited budget, the idea that you could launch a perfectly perfect product that had zero negative impacts to anyone, only positive across the entire supply chain, it's not possible today. Yeah. It's that that is uh, I wouldn't call it a pipe dream because it's possible, but it is it is a ways away <laughs> from being yeah, real. Yeah. And so I think it's not to overwhelm, it's to go, okay, well, how do we break down? all of these different impacts. How do we break down the supply chain and start, start somewhere. And I think that's the biggest thing is that people do get, you know, you, what you say, people do get afraid like, Oh, well I'm overwhelmed. Like this is too much. And that's kind of what we've done. We've been overwhelmed. And so we ignore it and that's not working. <laughs> that's not working out for anybody at all. And so breaking it down and just going through systematically and, and even creating a roadmap of, okay, well, we're going to, these are our goals and we're going to get there. And even, uh, I, I was just talking to someone about Apple. If you look at over the last decade, Apple set some insanely lofty goals for <laughs> their sustainability. Yeah. And a decade ago, people were like, oh, you're crazy. Well, they've been working on it slowly year by year. And a decade later, some of, they just did a presentation. Some of those things on their list, because they've been showing the same list <laughs> for 10 years, yeah. some of them have been checked off. So, and that's Apple. They have billions of dollars. They're able to put a lot of resources toward it. So it's really just creating that process and going through the steps of aiming towards it. Because if we don't ever start to aim towards it, we'll never get there. We'll, if we don't start the journey. So yeah, it's yeah. a process. <laughs> and, it, and you're right. Yeah, okay. Companies like um, Apple are minted um, and smaller companies aren't. But the process is the same. You know, you... It, we're not going to get anywhere unless you've got the ambition to do so. And if you, I guess, as, as much of that is about setting up the right, um, I guess, the right leadership, the right um, foundation of the business to say, right, we are going to have this product. It, it is going to be a sustainable product. And through its life, through its lifetime, people will have, you know, people will come up with better 
parts of it, or either product elements or better design elements, manufacturing elements, and just being open to say, right, well, that, that's improved now, we can incorporate it. I guess that's where you're coming from as much as anything else. Yeah, and I, and I think that the other roadblock that people have still uh, is that it's too expensive and it's not going to be financially stable, right? You know, a lot of people... By startup companies are like, oh, we're worried about sustainability later. Like, we just need a product to be profitable. And I, I think there's all that myth needs to be broken down more. It is profitable to be sustainable. It's profitable to be thinking about your employees uh, and, you know, things like that. It, they, it is profitable. And there's plenty of companies that are doing really good. Patagonia is one that's pretty well known for how much they do for environmental uh things and they're pretty big they're doing well no one's complaining about their stocks well yeah Uh, so right so it's it's also that of it's profitable and do it step by step don't you don't need to you know bury yourself with all the goals at once yeah yeah no that's um i think that's probably a massive takeaway isn't it of of um aim big but it doesn't matter almost how long it takes you to get there um as long as you keep on on the path um this book has brought together your work in in design but also um jessica's work as a healer and study of regenerative technologies um jessica is your um your wife um how does that combination work it's it's an interesting combination because i'm very technology for future future forward focused um, as much as possible. That's where I live. I'm developing new things. And her studies have been in more, you know, ancient Chinese medicine and uh, Ayurvedic medicine from India and looking at how they thought of things. And so it brings, you know, thinking about how how people used to build things and how people used to grow things. And you know, one of the things that uh, we've looked at and and there's modern version is you know regenerative farming and things like that where it's using older techniques mixing it with modern technology and being able to produce something better and i think there's you know a lot of people still kind of look backwards and they go oh well we shouldn't pull any inspiration from there uh it's old and that's a very american a very American way to do it. We bulldoze our, our our buildings right before they hit the age where they get protected as a historic monument. Um, and I think that, you know, basically our, our combination is going, well, there's a lot of stuff to think about. There's a lot of other, other ways to think about things. Yeah. And when you blend that with things that we know now, you know, quantum mechanics and, you know, things like that, it creates a little bit of a unique standpoint and it opens up some some doors to looking at things differently and that's that's kind of the point of the whole book is look at things a little bit differently like don't don't put the blinders on cool Um, and so yeah it's that's the blend that happens so i'm also interested in the i guess the relationship to a certain extent because um it might so the business I run, I run with my uh, with my wife as well. And how do you how did you find that whole um, I guess collaborative exercise of coming together that and um, who stopped talking to who first? Um, and don't it, don't tell I, me there wasn't some sort of argument along the way. Otherwise, I, I'll just call you out. <laughs> um, 
now there's been there's been some disagreements uh but it really kind of started as you know i built a design firm and she was basically you know started out as sounding board mm-hmm. and you know that's yeah i have this idea what do you think and then it it's slowly just morphed into i i've at this point can't run the business without her so it's very much a, a partnership it's yeah. um you know having having somebody who's not super in the tech world being able to bounce things off of a that out definitely outside view is very valuable and it's something that you know when you're working in it you can't you can't see what you're in sometimes yes <laughs> having, yeah, yeah. having that has been uh hugely beneficial and, and i definitely attribute success to having that outside sounding board to double check and go nope that seems really weird what are you doing, what are you doing there? <laughs> thinking uh, about that a little bit it's nice to see um and almost a, a, another partnership that's that's worked uh, worked well because I guess I'm in a similar, in a similar position that um, um, having been very doubtful uh, ten years ago about whether we could work together and um, I mean knew, we sort of knew that we could because we sort of did, did we did our degree together did did the same degree and all that sort of stuff but then when you're into the business world it's it's slightly different and um, we do have our moments but it, but yeah it, it's really nice to see an, an, another couple who's who's doing a similar thing. Um, Get, let's get back to the book. Um, the when you, in in so the description of the book, you so you talk about um, I guess changing out how other people see the world. So how do you see the world at the moment? What is it? Who is best um, fit to change it? And basically, how do we make that happen? Oh, who's best fit to change it? Um, probably all the people we're not looking at right now to change <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that there's there's a lot to say about you know the diversity and inclusion movement that that people are being aware of and i think that that actually is part of the key to making the world better is there's a lot of people that haven't been given a stage and haven't been even talked to or or put in a conversation and that is where i think the that we will find the solutions to problems that we have now or or even moving forward like you know what what uh the billionaires club are all doing right now is trying to get into space as quickly as possible um you know those those kinds of lofty missions if you call them i i think that those are great and i think that we need to solve some of the problems we have on earth <laughs> while while we're going at it um but it's it's something that the whole different perspective piece is a huge part of how i run my business because it's I pull in designers from different fields and I'll, I'll stick a toy designer on a, a IOT product and you get some different ideas when you pull people from different areas. And so that's kind of my perspective on the world is that we need more of that. We need more, less siloing, you know, especially the business world we've been siloed as, oh, this is the engineering department, this is the electrical department, that's sales. And then yeah. there's one point of contact in between them and hopefully they get it right. But really it's playing telephone and no, nobody yeah. gets it right. And I think that that kind of thinking is starting to go away, but it needs, the faster it goes away, the better cross-pollination of ideas, the sooner we're going to have somebody go, oh, I figured out how to generate all the energy we want without burning anything. 
there you go. <laughs> right. So Fair. I think that's that's kind of my opinion of where where we're at and how to how I think we can get there fastest. So really to be do to be doing a lot of this, we need to be um influencing other people. Um how do you think we can best go around doing that? I mean, voting with your money is always it always works in some level, right? Uh, and it's also I think it's also being able to have good communication. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of preachy people that make it so that, you know, talking about a topic of any level becomes a problem because no nobody wants to be preached at. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it really comes down to being honest and having just open communication of, Hey, this is what I think. What do you think? And having, making it a conversation um, and less, how do I, you know, how do I influence everyone to yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. get my way out of this? It should be, how do I, how do I talk to someone and share what I think and then listen to what they think and then see where it goes from there. And I think that's the best way to move forward without, without trying to bulldoze anybody with this is the way and I've decided. <laughs> so alongside the book, cause you also run your own podcast as well. Um, hence why you're such a smooth talking veteran on this. Um, do, can you tell us a bit about your po- Tell us a bit about the podcast as well. So the podcast, same name, conscious design, it's focuses really on finding those people with ideas and solutions and experience that uh, haven't been given a voice. Uh, elsewhere um i i do have some people that have been on that you know a little bit more well known their social media followers are a little bit bigger but my focus is really on the people who probably they're most of the time they've never been on a podcast before they have not written a book they are not you know the person the world ceos call to talk to uh they're people that actually work and actually do (laughs) and uh, have different ideas uh, about how things could work or their thoughts on, you know, how do we create more conscious design? How do, how do we make architecture more art, you know, human centered? Cause apparently that's not actually a, a huge part of architecture uh, explains our buildings a lot. Um, <laughs> yes, that's true. So, so it's, it's really to try to give a voice and a platform for that to, to, get people to hear other ideas that uh, could be great. They could be okay, but it's a different opinion. It's a different outlook than what we're all used to hearing from, you know, all, all the same hundred people yeah, yeah. <laughs> on other podcasts. Cool. Um, so yeah, so go, go and find that, um, the conscious design uh, podcast as well. Once you finish listening to this, not before. Um, so yeah. where, where, I mean, more, most fundamentally the book conscious design, where can we go, where can we find it? You can go to consciousdesignbook.com mm-hmm. is where you'll find the book itself. Uh, and then in, in, the design firm is petermanfirm.com. Brilliant. We'll, we'll make sure that them, um, their, them links are in the, uh, in the show, show notes to this. So as a, um, as a quick note before we finish, if you're looking to uh, submit to the CIHF conference this year, you'll have missed out on the long paper deadline. But the short paper deadline is still open and that's going to be mid-January. It's only two pages and you can be sharing what you've done or you are doing. Get some feedback from um, like-minded people, but fundamentally um, contributing your knowledge to the, the, the human factors um, 
ether, um, that bit out there, that whole um, body of knowledge. And fundamentally, if you're going to conference as well, it's a good opportunity to get together because there is going to be the virtual, but there is actually going to be the live conference this year or uh, next year, all being well. And quite frankly, it's I'm well overdue a pint. Um, but by now, the guide from the CIHF on climate ergonomics for business should be available, which I've spent the past few months uh, writing. And and so if that, that will be distributed on um, social media links everywhere, freely, freely available. And it'd be great to hear, hear your feedback on it. Um, Ian, thank you very much for your time today. If people want to get hold of you and to find out more about Conscious Design, how can they contact you? Best way to do that is find me on LinkedIn, just Ian Peterman. Uh, you'll, you'll find me pretty easily. But we are also Peterman Firm on any social media. You will, if you contact us there, it'll get to me. That's fantastic. And we'll make sure that your contact details are also in the uh, in the show notes again today. Um, Ian, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you for listening to 1202, the Human, the Human Factors, Factors Podcast. Podcast. Please do get in touch with your thoughts, questions, and comments. You can contact us on social media such as Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at 1202 Podcast. See you next time. And remember, it's more than just common sense.